running is the one thing that sort of keeps me focused. Mm-hmm. It's, it, everybody has one of the, we, we run a cafe for people who have uh, been diagnosed uh, early onset. Like that goes from 40 to 60 people a day. So we meet once every three weeks in, in Costa Coffee, just down the city centre, city centre, the city west, that one over there. Yeah. And that's the one thing we try and get through to people. It doesn't have to be athletics. Find something you're passionate about and use that to fight uh, the Parkinson's. That, my friend, was Patrick Crossan. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope your motivation, training and confidence is building momentum. I'm Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. I've been excruciatingly busy over the last few weeks, so sorry for not getting the podcast out every Friday, but we have another inspiring podcast this week with Patrick Crossan from Belfast. He's been a track runner all his life, focusing on 200 and 400 meters and came into his own when he hit the Masters age taking many podiums and championship titles. What makes him even more inspiring is that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's five years ago and in this podcast Patrick breaks down how sport has helped him manage his condition. Before we start I'd just like to thank our new sponsors XL Sports. Their next event is the Donegal Wild Atlantic Marathon and Half Marathon Killybegs, County Donegal being held on July the 14th. This is an absolutely beautiful course, so check out their Facebook page to register. With great pleasure, I give you Patrick Crossan. Yeah, so Paul, you were saying there, like, so... I know, he, him and I would race together at Queens on the track side, and then we, we got friends that way, and then him and I have a pretty much similar obsession with music, so... And what's that? And I think I would be more, he's more avant-garde, but when we're going out, we're going up out with friends earlier on, we had a brother on CD tapes and he's, he's into sort of weird, weird bands. But we used to have, <laughs> we used to have a, a, a common ground. I would probably wouldn't be as, uh, but he loves his music and I like music. So we got friendly that way. Usually just trying to, you should like this. I don't like that. You should like this. So we got that way. And also I always had the ghetto blaster. So we always left it. So, uh, he used to steal. He used to steal a ghetto blaster on the, on the Queen's trips, and you could run run around looking for it, and you hear teenage kicks or something playing. So you just knock at the door and go, "Give us that back!" <laughs> so that's how we got friends. It just shows you how small the running community is, it though, is, doesn't it? it? So and I would be one of the few sprinters who would have known quite a lot of middle distance guys. Yeah. Like Jimmy McCann. Uh, I ran for. I used to run for Belfast Olympics, so most of they didn't. They didn't really have a track club, so therefore I didn't know most of the guys, Ditchy Copeland and all them. So. I would know most of them as well as the the sprinters, which isn't new, pretty unusual. Yeah, and was were you always just track? Oh, I can't, I can't run for life, mate. I hate running. <laughs> half, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. Seriously, half an hour kills me. Yeah, it's a different thing altogether. It's a different isn't it? mentality, and it was really funny. We had an ultra distance runner joined our our squad two years ago. Like he was, I can't remember Richard or was it Robert? He was a guy. He was introduced, he, he works in Ulster Bank and he only came for about six weeks. And after six weeks, he said, I'm packing this in. And I was going, why? Making such great progress. He says, he said, I get up in the morning, the only parts of me that don't hurt are my hair and my teeth. <laughs> he says, you just do different. He says, he just says, I have more, more appreciation of what you mm-hmm. do than I had before. And I was saying, thank you. Because he said, I'm going back to doing my four hours on the Sunday morning. And I, four hours on Sunday morning, I would be <laughs> just kill me. Just... Because it's a lot more intense, isn't it, on the track? Yeah, it's 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 like a somebody said in the car. If you accelerate really fast, you use up all that energy. It's it's that sort of, mm. and also the, in the track, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, <laughs> big fields you can disappear off. We bet and people don't. Know. But in the track, when you go out in the track, there's only eight people, and if you're running crap, everybody sees you running. It's, crap. it's a totally different sport, like isn't it? It's going out hard and hanging on by your fingernails. Yes, like, it isn't is. it really? Like, especially for I do the hurdle, four hurdles, four hundred and two, and the four hundred, especially now with with the parts, is getting as fast as far as I can before everything falls apart. And that's that's the way that's the way it is, and, and sort of sometimes it falls. is that the way you attack it then? Yeah. You're going out really as hard as you can, like well, it's, it's a short like. 200 meters I do that 400 meters I used to do that um, as you get a bit older you can't do it so you have oh, to yeah. because if you cock it up a second wrong on the first 200 can cost you three seconds in the 400 because mm-hmm. you just literally fall off yeah. so if I go through f- too quick 
Yeah, and it's it's completely, and it's getting that in your head of trying to. I'd be very good at trying to work out what's repoundable. We do two hundreds, and the coach says, "I want you to do twos in thirty seconds or twenty nine. I can usually hit them, boom, because it's in your head. You know what you're doing. But when it comes to the race, you just have to. A lot of it's too is a lot more. I think track has a lot more nervous energy. You use up your warm yeah, up yeah. and just. I do. I find that fascinating. Now, how long have you been doing the track? I've been doing the track since I was eighteen. Yeah, so you've a lifetime of experience of calibrating yourself, yeah. really, haven't you? Yeah. Because I always find that amazing that you come to that 200 metres within that split second. Yeah, and you know when you've got it wrong, especially if... if like, did, like there's such a, such a narrow deviation there, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, like, yes. it's why it doesn't go off so well. I mean, why sometimes you don't just knock one and a half seconds off. It just doesn't happen. It's just no. not... Your body's just performing to its best ability within that yeah. moment isn't it and it's it's that sort of thing of of even if you hit the mark if you've done it the wrong way you no know, you went off too hard and then you still right back it still it still has that effect on you it's just different we subtleties i don't think that mm-hmm. you, you use it different things you just have to keep going sometimes because the body's going to come do it whereas we know we're going to be sort of 350 no matter whether it's a good race or a bad race you're going to be in severe lactic debt and you're going to be screaming you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of weird incidents where, especially since I've had the Parkinson's, I would get tired very quickly. So I have a couple of friends in the Masters who make sure that St. John's Ambulance don't panic too much. You know what I mean? I've had a couple of St. John's Ambulance over going, are you okay? And I go, give me 10 minutes, I'll be okay. Brilliant. <laughs> what was your introduction into it then, back then? Because there's a lot of cross country back then. A lot of cross country. and then there wasn't uh, as much track, was it? wasn't there? as much track. So I've always sort of I went to university and I joined uh, a squad there and I got introduced to a guy called Alf McMeekin who trained Philippita so they had a sprinter squad so I just sort of dropped into it thinking I ran uh, last year's schools and ran in the CBS championships and won the one and two and then somebody said you should try and run it so I did that uh, and then I joined that squad and he says Patrick you're really good CBS but as you've seen in the, in the Ulster schools you didn't get past the Ulster schools when I tried the fours. So I then moved up to the twos and fours uh, and then joined that squad. So I was training with people like Philip Bede. He was doing the hurdles and I was the same age doing the flats. So we trained together. So he'd run the hurdles and I'd run the flat. He'd run at the same time. So I got into that and it's the only sport that I really, really, really enjoy. Because you were good at it? Not really. I was, I, was, I was good, but I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been sort of top. Like mm-hmm. I, went, I never got out of my districts schools because my districts had Davy Mars, Michael Tan, Philip Beatty and a couple of they all qual they were all gonna win the Irish. So I never got it. so it wasn't that oh my god I was winning the schools. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was probably a late very late developer. Do you find that like so training and racing against those guys was bringing you on? Yes. Because that's an elite field that is like yeah. isn't it? And when, when I think about the squad <coughs> I trained with, I mean they all were very elite and I just enjoyed training with them. Actually, I was probably at the start of my career a better trainer than I was a racer, because I was leaving. I was leaving so much to try and keep up with them, and so yeah, that's good. It was it was good fun. And how different is the two hundred to four hundred? Like LA's uh, yeah, it's miles apart. Miles apart. Two hundred, you can sprint. It's just a matter of making sure you're strong enough to do it. But you can sprint for two hundred meters. You can sprint roughly for about three hundred. So it's what do you do in the last hundred that sort of makes a difference. Two hundred holes, no worries for me till I love running the 200 uh, yes you feel tired and sometimes you tie up but not you know just hold your breath for 200 and just go yeah you just run <laughs> you just run the, the gun goes and you run as fast and as far as you can and if somebody beats you well and good but the 400 you do that and everybody's going to beat you yeah, so it's so is the training totally different for the two of them because you need a bit more endurance do you, you well, 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 I find that I tend to train for the the four and then do some speed work for the two which means then that it, it's uh, nice and it's sort of the do, 200 meters is like a bike product. So yeah. uh, I would do that there. And now this year I'm targeting the 400 hurdles and the two because that's the, the way it's going to be in the European Championships for the Masters. So I'll do a lot of speed work, but I'll have to do the endurance stuff to make sure I can get through the 400 hurdles. What type of training do you do then for anybody? I was so, glad to get you because I was looking for somebody that was a, a good yeah. track runner to sort of break so, that down. So I train, I train five times a week uh, two nights a week it's strength and conditioning in the gym and then the other two times are on the track 
So it's usually speed endurance one night, tempo sort of endurance the other, and then uh, depending on what time of, time of year it is, it's either fast stuff or we would do more endurance work. So after the indoors, I've spent the past five weeks doing more sort of endurance work. Like we've been in Beaver five times since since the, mm. the indoors, trying to get that base of using the hills to get some sort of endurance and get some speed up. But we're now starting to go sort of fast with a short recovery to, to try and mimic what it's like to feel in the last 30 or 40 meters of a uh, 400. You mentioned strength and conditioning there. Yeah. So there's a lot of power Yes. in these shorter races, isn't it? How important is that strength well, and conditioning? Essentially, essential. It's just, you, you also need to be that strong because if you're going to explode out, the muscles have to be strong enough to take that mm. or else you don't pull something. So strength and conditioning is probably equally as important as the... What type of things you do? Well, I, I, we've got a guy who, my son and I train together, so we have a guy who takes our sessions. So it's uh, a lot of our body that gets you the arms can support you. Do you pull a lot of weights and things like yeah, that? Yeah, we, we do. We do single arm weights. We do uh, curls, uh, flies. Quite a, I've done a lot more heavier weights recently than I had done before when I was younger. I find it helps me as I get older to, mm. to pull through. Uh, lots of plyometric stuff as well. And he, it's a, it's a funny, it's a UFC gym I go to. So they would try different things. So it would be kettlebell stuff and you'd be slightly odd things, pushing tires and do a lot of that prowler work where you're pushing uh, a prowler with the weight on it. Do you find is, do you find it easy to get the balance between the two? Because I know a lot of people sort of do weights and stuff, but it actually impacts their, their training because they're becoming too fatigued or whatever when they go into their trip run it sessions. It depends what, what type of the year is. If you're in this heavy part of the year, mm. then you just take it every day. I would truthfully get up and you're tired before you even start. But when it comes to the uh, season, I would tend to work out the sessions that week and then drop drop them down depending on how serious I want want to race. Mm-hmm. And actually, there'll be times when you get into this series of runs, your strength and conditioning will be just literally stretching. You're just literally stretching down and you're not going to get any extra work in. So it's just a matter of, of keep taking over. And you're, you mentioned tempo there. So what type of... What would a, a general tempo session consist of? General tempo for me would probably be something like seven by two hundred, yeah. uh, with a, with all the same time and going one minute, three minute, four, two minute, one minute, recoveries and then back to three minute, two minute, and then the very last one you try and pick it up, mm-hmm. so you do so. That's the sort of thing. And the tempo we're trying to run there is about twenty nine to thirty one. That sort of pace. Flying. <laughs> it, it, it can't feel like that. Some some nights it feels great. Or another one we do is we would do. 250s, four or five, four 250s yeah. with, with uh, going through the first 150, okay, and then trying to pick it up a little bit. In the I'm, I'm only imagining like running at that type of pace on the track, like you really have to be in tuned to your body and getting your body in decent condition. Yes. You know what I mean? So to get yourself, because you're, you're training at such a high performance level to your body. Yes. So you always have to sort of be in tune with trying to get yourself into a good condition, don't you? Yeah, you also have to. I find, especially the training, I have to be in tune to ignore the body sometimes because mm. you arrive there going, Oh god, yeah, bar doing this. I couldn't do And you warm up, and some nights you warm up, and the first run feels awful. And then by the end of it, like I did, we did hills on Thursday, and the first two runs just I just went, I need to go home. But by the end of it, I'd picked up again. So some of it is retraining your body because I think sprinters have to ignore how you feel because yeah. before you go to a race, you've only got such a short period of time to compete in. If you were to rely on how you felt, you'd never, yeah. never do it. It was funny, like, I, as I was saying there, I did that night and run yeah. yesterday and only had five hours sleep the night before. Yeah. So I went straight after work down to do the run and I said, I shouldn't be doing this. And within a mile of the run, I was thinking, geez, I feel stronger now than I have done any time I've been doing this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's that ignoring sometimes. Yeah. But also, I think too, is I find whenever I'm that sort of thing, I've had a bad night's sleep, or you've had a rough day on work, because most of us are trained straight after work, so you've a rough day on work, it takes that time to unwind from the work. Mm. That you, It sort of goes, great, this is great, I'm enjoying that. And you get a bit of boost. Don't get me wrong, there's sometimes where you just literally have to go yeah. enough's enough. One thing I have noticed is, is 
I probably don't. I, I do more rest. When I was younger, I used to do six days a week, and now I take two days off. Yeah. And I think rest, especially as you get older, is more important than it's, competing. It's about knowing yourself, like isn't it, and trying to get that balance. And see other stuff. Like I, I, I regularly get a, a body massage once every mm-hmm. four weeks or so, uh, and just keep making sure that everything's okay. Trying to do more stretching, uh, which is really boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm trying to do anything there that I can, so more stretching, and and then also trying to fit in technique stuff. So. Mm-hmm just sometimes not enough hours you're just trying to do so much yeah sometimes i get i can get myself a bit mumbly and confused like i've got a a lovely room set out with a good mat and rollers and stretches and things like that um but i don't use any of it i think yeah i should be doing this and i should be doing that yeah. and i can over confuse myself over complicate it sometimes yeah. when i haven't really tied down what my routine is yeah because you want a simple routine yes because you can, you can bring that into your daily habit and make that consistent to work for you. But yeah. you, all of a sudden, there's all this stuff. But you've only got so much time. Yes. And you have to try and work out what's the best way to spend that time, isn't it? Uh, and I, I find that if uh, what I'm going to try and do is I have been increasing my stretching a little bit, not as much as I should be. So I'm, I'm going to actually try and do it. I'm watching TV. Can I do some stretching there? Things mm. like that. Because as you said, one of the coaches said to me, he says, if you make it complex, you're not going to do it. You have so, to do something that comes second nature. So he says, why can't you be sitting on TV instead of sitting on the chair, sitting on the floor, do some stretching? Because mm-hmm. you're watching the TV anyway. So we things like that. You know what I mean? Simple, like um, about three, well, I'd gone over my ankle at the beginning of the year and I was out for three months. And um, I wasn't as disciplined as I should have been for doing my calf lifts, things, uh, heel lifts and things like that. So three weeks ago, I actually changed my desk to a stand-up desk. Yes. Yeah. And I couldn't emphasize enough the change that has made. Like so, even at, even coming out of work, I'm less tired because you're not sitting slouched in a chair. You think you're more tired. Um, but I have a stretch board under my desk for my calves. I have a wobble board. Yeah. To strengthen my ankles, <laughs> and every time there's somebody not in the room, I'm sitting pulling heel lifts yeah. left, right, and center. And you're maybe doing a thousand heel lifts when I was finding it hard to do, actually integrate it into. Yeah. I'm not doing a thousand, but it feels yeah, like that. Doing, yeah. I'm constantly either just without even thinking, standing on the stretch board or balancing on the wall. I'm working at the desk. Yeah. It's a great way, just as you mentioned, watching TV or doing your stretches. Yes. If you can integrate a couple of things together. It, it's, it's, you have only, a, you said yourself, you have a limited amount of time. So it's just a matter of trying to squeeze in things that doesn't take you out of the house or doesn't another another mm. couple of hours out of the house is not gonna not gonna work because you you just run back and forth you're making yourself tired so if you can do something in the house it's even better so indoor and outdoor how different are they oh different completely different races uh indoors 200 not, not not really much different because it's just you run as fast as you can mm. and you're in your own lane 400s is complete because you're somebody else is controlling the pace because in the 400 you have your lane, you run your own tactics, you don't really understand, it doesn't really interfere. And if indoors 400, you get to that break. If you're too far behind, you're never going to overtake anybody. It doesn't matter how strong you are, they can keep keep you out. But if you let somebody take you too fast, then you're going to die. So it's a complete, it's it's just like, that tactic and that, the way they run it, it's just so different because it's so tight. Like when you're starting, in the, if you're starting on the inside, you're you're a little bit, but if you're on the outside, which is supposedly the good lanes, you're literally sitting on really skewed. You you it's it's like <laughs> going, so it's a matter of, it's scary. You're trying to run your own race, but it's you're very conscious because you hit this mark and everybody just comes together, uh, and it can be quick. It doesn't bother me, but it can be a bit rough if you, if if you want. But I enjoy I enjoy yeah. that sort of thing, but it is not. It's not the same race. It's a completely different race. It's quite surprising, isn't it? Like, and what do you prefer, indoor or outdoor? Uh I prefer outdoor. I would say I prefer outdoor. Indoors harder. I, I, I like the indoor twos, but I've, maybe it's because I've had a couple of injuries indoors. I mm-hmm. just sort of scare you off a wee bit. But I do like the outdoors. I, I love competing. I don't see it. I know a lot, of people, a lot of people run to keep fit. And I have even people who train with me who just train and don't like racing. And I'm going, I, if I was just training for the sake of training, they just wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't cut it. It's that putting yourself on the line and losing doesn't scare me, it doesn't, it's just putting yourself in the line and knowing what you should be doing. You, mean? Mm-hmm. If some, you know what athletics is like. 
if somebody's naturally talent, more talented, you, you never want to beat them. You know, it's not like soccer where you can get maybe a draw or you maybe scrape a win. If you're up against Mo Farah a thousand times, he's going to beat you over the distance. Yeah. The same way as I'm up against someone like Roger Black, a thousand times he's going to beat me. It's just a matter of how close I can get to him. So mm. I just enjoy that, that, that getting into the zone, warming up and running. But you must have those two or three sort of nemesis that you're all very close you're always race that race oh, is yes. always on within yes. the race yes always and it's 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 quite funny because you can be there's two or three guys i've moved up in the age group but there's two or three guys below me who are close and at the present moment, i'm in different age groups it's about but even now i've been racing if we have races where they're all together it's all and, <laughs> and there's certain people who you go i'm not getting beat by them so yes there are always people who, who you really want to push and I'm assuming there's a lot of tension within yourself coming up to one of these races. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very fast and hard. How do you release that before going into the race? Well, you don't, release it, don't release it before going into the race. You mean, you, the whole thing about it is, is trying to take that tension and using it for yourself to have controlled aggression, uh, not to let it go. And, and, mm. and also, I would tend to try and... Some people chat. I would chat a little bit and then... To, disappear off to myself and talk a little bit uh, it's trying to get a routine that's always the same mm-hmm. and, and keeping that routine even if you don't particularly like it, it just helps you I've got 45 minutes so at the 45 minutes I start walking and then I start doing a bit of jogging and I've got my exercises and I can stretch them out in there so it's everything very routine so you stay focused on the legs of that and your warm up must be extremely important because it's so fast we've seen Bolt doing his very last run he just pulled the leg clean yeah. out of himself and the thing about this is, it's, 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 it, no, it used to be when I first started, our things have changed. When I first started, everything was stretching and now it's all dynamic drills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's all sort of making sure, I would make sure I keep my, those sort of skin tights on pretty much till I'm ready to go. Uh, and then you get into that routine. And even the problem with it is, is once you get into certain routines, especially if it works, you don't want to change them. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, we looked up, I would tend to look up uh, at the start of the season, say go onto Google or go onto YouTube and look up uh, a warm-up from one of the American universities. So we picked Penn last year and we tried it out and it worked. It kept everybody focused, mm-hmm. seemed to do what it was. So we've been using it and this year I'm going to look at them. I still use the Penn one, but I'm starting the competition in June. So I'm going to look and see if there's another one. So for the next three weeks beforehand, I'll, I'll try it out to train and see how it mm-hmm. works. Just mainly for me, it's to give me routine you get distracted very easy when you're warming up because you were saying overcomplicating it and doing this and then yeah. watch somebody else should i be doing this so you need to have it in your head because i warm up with two or three friends and they have all different warm-ups and sometimes you go should i be doing this or should i be doing that so mm. it's having that confidence just to turn around and say this is what i'm warming up to do this is where i'm feeling and also having the confidence to adapt it because say for example you felt a bit tighter in the legs do a little bit more there yeah. listen to the body and see how it goes and sometimes you're a bit tired and you go, do you know something? It's a nice warm day. I've done my strides. I'm okay. And just sit down. That's the biggest thing. It's important to be able to adapt, isn't it? Yeah. Because your, your body's changing all the time or the way you feel or the, the fatigue that you go through during the day or whatever. Plus also when you, when you go to major competitions, the call room, if you're not used to it, it can freak you out mm. because you, you have to st- stop your warm up 15 yeah, minutes earlier than right. you normally do and have the confidence to know that you're not going to get too cold and you're not going to... So, I would now, I, before I, even, even if I'm competing here in Northern Ireland, I would, if the race is at one o'clock, I would stop roughly about 15 minutes beforehand, 20 minutes, and just as if I was sitting around, because okay. you're going to have to get used to it. Is that how long before the race? Oh, can't be, yeah. So you have to report 20 minutes before your race. It must be panicking time for a lot of new people coming into it. Then. It is, it is. Because generally, as you said, you're warming up right till the the starting was starting and the down. thing with this is it just builds the tension because you go in and so <laughs> yeah. there's two call rooms there's the one where you go up and you sit and wait for them to call you and the call <coughs> you check your number check your spikes and you go through and then you get changed into your spikes and then you're sitting waiting to go on the track so all of a sudden they can take about 25 minutes mm. so and you're looking around some of these guys are as cool as cucumbers and other people are starting to get just a little bit agitated how long do you think is a good time for warm-up I usually start about between uh, an hour and 45 minutes beforehand. Wow. 
that's, that's long like isn't no, but, but the first part of that is just literally I would spend the first maybe 10 minutes walking around talking to you no know, just mm. how you doing how's it going that sort of thing and then my warm up would probably start after about 10-15 minutes of just generally getting relaxed and then running, running that way and what and break down your warm up I'll tell you why I ask because I'm going into the home dales race every yeah. Thursday night every mountain I felt like pulling out off yeah. I know it's because I'm not warming up for it, so I'm getting shocked straight away. Because yeah. after about a mile into the race, then or a mile and a half, you start to recover and come back and start to oh yeah fold into the race. We would we would tend to well last year I tend to do so. I started off with this thing where you loosened your ankles, so you did a lot of if it's dry weather, take off the shoes and you walk on your toes high and you do ten meters here of on your toes and then you funny funny little legs out feet in drills like that and then do some skipping. And then you do some stretching, dynamic stretching, mm-hmm. and then we go back and do our drills. And then we start, we do some light strides. But just before I go into the call room, sometimes I'll do a full out run. Mm-hmm. Get your body, so that when it starts the race, it's not the first time you've asked to run fast. Mm-hmm. So my drill, my strides would get slightly faster and maybe slightly longer. Uh, and then... Because you want to get your heart rate up a bit, don't you? Like Yeah, because I remember going back an awful long time, the East Germans used to, they used to run a full out race, or 100 metres full out, maybe half an hour before they ran, and most of them were breaking more records, mind you they were chemically induced as well, some of them, but it does thing that, you can't let your body be shocked, if the first mm-hmm. time your body has been asked to do something fast, is in the race, then you're, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, your body's just going to pull you back, isn't it, like really? It's, it's literally just going, it's, sometimes you just, even if we were doing, like we're doing a timed run tomorrow, tomorrow morning, 50 seconds. Before that, we'll do four by 90, fairly fast. Take a recovery of about 10 minutes and then run the timed run. Mm. Because you can't just go straight in. And we're having to do early in the morning because there's a track meet now. But you can't, you can't expect your body just to all of a sudden go boom. And I think sometimes some middle distance guys just turn up and away they go, I'll warm up in the first part of the race. Yeah. Well, if the first part of the race is either hilly or fast, you're going to struggle. I remember trying to break 20 minutes. Um, I was just set in Endeavour for 20 minutes for yeah. 5k and I tried it for about four weeks. I was going to this lovely flat road, jumping out of the car, yeah. lift my knees a couple of times. <laughs> like literally that was it. And then go like the hammers. Yeah. And I never made it. It was yeah. like four weeks in a row. Um, I give up and somebody just said to me go for an easy run before I'm just throwing a few strides yes. so I went for like a four or five mile run yeah. and came down and just ran 19 and a half comfortably yes because like, your, bo- your, bo- your body was up uh, you were starting your body was starting to process the the, the rubbish that you were producing mm-hmm. but, but we know it's, it's, it's like, very important for those that do a lot of 5k yeah. sort of distance and some of the good 5k runners they're running five miles before the actual race yeah. of a warm up where you see a lot of the road races that we have, you know, a lot of people just turn up, jump out the car, get on the way to go. Yeah. Wonder why they can't breathe after half a mile. Yes, and the other thing, my, my biggest, probably my biggest feeling is warm downs. I hate warm downs. I hate warm downs. Job done. Like, I, I just, <laughs> usually, usually I'm in such, such pain, it's, it's getting that up. And my warm downs is mostly me walking because mm. I can't, I just, it just, it's like it's terrible. I hate it. I know what you do it and I always talk about it, but it's the one thing if you're, know your little weakness that's my one it's like all right let's say i weren't no man i'm just walking <laughs> or yeah. i'm just getting into the cards which is the big thing is you should be doing it to take the, the no i i've remember getting a structured plan off yeah. a coach like and guy hamlin so great runner and the warm-up and the cool down was yeah. one thing i didn't do but because it was in the plan i'm very disciplined to the plan yeah and the difference that made yeah the both of those the warm-up and the cool down yeah Whereas I could feel the next day I can get up and do it again. Yes. And that's the, the big thing that uh, uh, if I'm away at a competition uh, and know there's races the next day, I can be very disciplined and do the one. But it's just normally in training. I don't I tend to go, right, I, I could do something when I get home, but you never do. You know what I mean? So that, that, <laughs> my biggest weakness would be not doing warm down. Um, so you're very competitive. Yes. That's, we can see that already. <laughs> um, can you remember the first time you actually podiumed the race? Or won a race, even. First race, first race I was a podiumed would have been the one of the first races. Well, would have been the, the CBS schools. I went down there to to race them, and I won the one and two. I wasn't expected to, and I, that was the one which I went. 
or maybe I should try and do something else. So I, I remember that would have been, been quite good. How did that feel great? It felt great because our school was a middle distance school. You know what I mean? So nobody yeah. even sat there. Like I got wiped out the next week in the districts, but it didn't matter. That that just started me off. Mm. And then uh, I think I think when I podiumed at the varsities, uh, I was good. But I would say the one that probably probably most the most uh, pleasing was I podiumed third in the seniors indoors for the four hundred behind Peter Sinclair wow. and Brent Murphy, and. It was I just came. I just, it was the first time I'd really done the indoors. And how long ago it was in Nina, so it was down to we had to go heats, and I wasn't ranked, and I got into the final. And to be truthful, I knew I wasn't gonna get first or second, so I made sure I got third. And I would say that would be as a performance, probably one of the best performances. Even to this day, it's the one. That it was the one. It's yeah, a senior. You're so proud of it. It's a senior one, uh, and I didn't have an awful lot of success. Well, I had successes as a senior. But not not sort of medals. So to get a senior medal as an individual, I got two relays, two gold relays. So that was great. But that's the one that was the the individual one. So at home on the So, do you have any break in between? Have you continued to do this since you were eighteen? Just no, unique. Took took a break because in the old days, uh, masters didn't start until you were forty. So after you got so I got married when I was about thirty one. So I competed for a little while. But then it gets it gets harder yeah. to compete against the younger ones all the time, so uh, I took a break for about three maybe four years, uh, put a lot of weight on, and then came back and struggled initially, and then got back into the master scenes from what was it forty, and surprisingly had a lot of success in the masters. You know what I mean? Because probably I don't know whether I hadn't got my training right whenever mm -hmm. I was a junior or else people, but there was still a lot of guys who were who'd have been well ahead of me when we came to the Masters I just seemed to keep that it's not that I think I just didn't drop as much as, as they mm -hmm. did so but it's hard the reason why I asked the question is because quite a lot of people have fallen out of it yeah. around like mid-twenties say yeah. and they're sort of coming back into it now like 35, 6 the Masters scenes is really good yeah. especially I noticed around the sprints because it went back to 35 at first I was going nuts but it gets people in uh, and I would say that that's where it's it's been good uh, and getting back getting back and doing something competitive at 40 was brilliant because it was how do you keep yourself motivated for that length of time you know but, but obviously for you it's the competition yes and going into the masters then it's giving you a new dynamic isn't it it does yes it, it gives you a completely new dynamic and when i first went into the masters uh it would have been very few from the north down so i just appeared at, Ma non at the irish masters in the year one more one two or two and four and then disappeared again so uh there was there was the internationals but i had a young family and we had mm. were on holiday so it never never even crossed my mind but through that there i got to meet got to meet more and more people so then we would find we there are now more races for masters so that was just got me back in and i was able to keep it going and i got back into the nice wee squad which was a lot of juniors and and some seniors so I was able to fiddle around with them, mm -hmm. so it wasn't so bad. And do you find it was easy, not easier to come back? So obviously it's difficult to come back, but do you find that those... <laughs> See, the first two years training back after not training for a couple of years were terrible. Mm. And I was very injury prone. Do you think you've got high expectations of yourself then though? Because it's like getting off the ladder at a certain place yeah. and then trying to get back on. It's, it's now you have to remember, I have to remember more age group type things mm. rather than, than what I was doing when I was younger. And I'm sitting and people are looking and they're going, oh, right, so you're on 56s. And I go, yeah. And they go, so what was your PB? And you go, well, 49.1. And they're going, oh, right, because 49.1 would be quite good. <laughs> now, and they go, right, uh, yeah, tw 20, 22.1. And they're going, oh, right. I says, now I'm 56. You mean I did run faster. So I'm is that your PB in the... Not in the master. Is it, no, 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 just oh, yeah. overall. Yeah, yeah. So what was your 200? I think it was... Oh, was it, 20, 22, 1 or 22, wow. 3. So, That's you know what I mean? It was, but at the time, I wouldn't have been one of the elite runners. Yeah. I mean, we, I was lucky and unlucky, but I, I grew up in, I would call, yeah, the, gold, the golden, like our Queen's team, our Queen's team that went to the, the varsities had things like Philip Snotty, Simon Bird, David Mars, Philip Beattie, Mark Rowan, Mark Kirk. <laughs> you mean, they, on the girls' side, had Janet Boyle, Jackie McCarthy. I mean, so, 
to be even in, in with them and you had to be keep competing here we had a really strong club system so there was a lot of competition so I wouldn't have been one of the superstars I had been just sure yeah. your normal cl- club runner t- trying to get into in with meeting people like Mark and and Philip Beatty and Davy Mars now so we had to work really hard just to get that and now when you talk to them they go that's a really good time and I'm going yeah but that wouldn't have got me to the final of the Irish yeah. seniors <laughs> you know what I mean so it was great it was a golden time and it was it was something that that uh, I really enjoyed it's a double edged sword isn't it really because it's stopping you getting on the podium but yeah. it's also developing that time yes because you wouldn't have got that time without wouldn't that. have got that time without them and you know what I mean there was like I remember one year uh, I did 50.0 six times trying to get just trying to get under the 60 <laughs> under the 50 Fifty point zero. That's the point I was making earlier on. Like, how is I just that blows me away. How so that I, I literally was fifty point zero one, fifty point zero three, and just didn't, and then it came through. But it's it's that sort of uh, hard work, and there was such a big squad of us. We had about seven or eight in our squad at the time, maybe more, uh, and we were always pushing. So once you get into that, once I get into that mentality, it wasn't so bad. So now I don't look. I look at my age group things. So therefore, I, I set the targets for them. But it's sometimes when the younger ones are going, oh, so what have you run? And you go, I've run this. And I'm like, okay, all oh, right. It wasn't always <laughs> slow. <laughs> I, I loved, um, I don't know if you know Willie McCracken from Uri, but um, we did Berlin yeah. Marathon and you had to put your time in. Yeah. And like, I don't know what age Willie was. I think he was 65. But his time was 2.38. Yeah. So he started up just behind the elites <laughs> because he had his time from back in Belfast Marathon yes, in yeah. 1981 or whatever date it was. No, you have to be very careful because you sometimes find that that people put in their when they're asked for PBs at championships what they ran when they were really young. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it's nice sometimes when you to realize the people you say, you know, I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, so it's okay for you. You're on fifty sixes and you're going yeah, but I, I have run forty nines and I go right, or forty eight relay split and things like that. So mm-hmm. it was quite quite good. That's the good thing about PBs. They're yes. always the. the they're always your time forever. Yes, they are. They are, they are they're the ones that you, you can run on. Um, but there was no power 10 then, so there wasn't. Yeah. And people weren't as fixated with times. as the, They were more about winning. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's one thing, you know what I mean? But when you look back, isn't it? Yeah. When you look back, it's there. But truthfully, if somebody would say to me, fast time or win a championship, i take a championship every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's that competitive streak coming yeah, out. Yeah, times, yeah, times are great. You give me a gold medal. I'd take a gold yeah. medal, uh, and that's what I would. That's that's what you like running for. That's where I hit. You hate getting pipped, not for times. You hate getting pipped for places or things like that. You know, and so it's been. What's it like moving through the categories then? So if you're moving up from masters forty to masters forty five, do you look forward to that? Well, see, some people, some people compete the first two or three years, right, in their new age group because of the young ones, yeah. and then they disappear off for two years. I tend to go. Do you know something? Just keep keep going. Uh, it is easier, but then it's more, so, so the way it works is there's about four or five of us all competing in, say, the 50 age group. I've moved up to 55. I miss them. Yeah. They've beaten me, especially, so I win for the first two or three years, and then they start coming in again, and it gets really tough again. But I miss them because they, they pull me through. Yeah. That's where the rivalry comes in. Myself and a friend, John O'Loughlin, John says himself, like, if he could just run against everybody the way he runs against me, because there's no way he's going to let me win. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing you're, you're really trying to do. And so I, pref- I would prefer to be running really good times and being competitive than running really crap mm-hmm. times and winning by a streak. Winning by a long mark doesn't, doesn't do anything. I like racing, so I do. So, so just hearing you, though, I'm, my feeling is that anybody that saw that track distance has the same mentality that they, they want to win like yeah you know it's a race it's not a race you're not going down yeah. to run and get a time you're down there to try and if you tra- tracks funny you go for a time you'll never get it i know people who chase times all their career and they never get it and when they do get it it's say they thought they ran badly but they raced or they got the perfect race so it's just a matter of in your head trying to get the perfect race it's a bit like chess sometimes it's he's maybe faster than me but if I go off a little bit slower I get him in the end or if I go off too fast he's going to beat me so it's measuring up overall four, especially on the four mirrors 
your overall game against our overall game. So everybody has their strong parts and their, their not so strong parts. So it's it's quite interesting. Do you remember the time the first time you competed with a Ireland jersey on? Uh, the first time I competed with a I competed with Northern Ireland jersey. I got to uh, Canada, Vancouver, around there. But the first time I competed for the Irish would have been in our house in Denmark two years ago as a master. Wow. Uh, that must have felt pretty good. Though. Oh, it's brilliant. Everybody says, oh, but you have, it's, it's, you, you just go yourself. Yeah, but just still give you an Irish vest. And, just, mm. and we got a bronze medal in the 4x4. So that just, that was just the highlight of that trip. But it's, it's that, especially to the, the Irish team is very, very close-knit uh, and very supportive. So when you go, we will outshout probably nearly anybody unless it's the hosts. And even then, we'll come up pretty good. We'll come up pretty good first. So when you hit that, when you come out and they go, Pat McCross in Ireland, there is a, anybody who's in the stadium who's Irish goes ballistic. So it's that feeling, and you see it up in the thing, it just makes you feel great. Yeah. And it's everybody goes, oh, well. But, but it's not. It's Yes, we get our own gear, and we, we have to go pay our own. But that doesn't take away from the fact you're still representing your country. Yeah. And that sort of feeling is great. And it's very, uh, I would be very proud to, to have done it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Do you find it changes your mentality in any way or form? Like, um, like you're going deep anyway. Yeah. You know, when you're in those races, do you find it gives you a little bit more of an edge? Wearing the vest. Oh, yes, definitely. Because you're, the thing about it is, is it's especially in the relays and things like that, but especially if you're wearing the vest, you're going, this isn't for, this isn't for me, this is for, 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 the, for your country. Um, and when you stand up and they're all sort of waving here and even like, the last ones in Turin like they had like it was a Eurosports you, people could watch it online and they were walking up the end and you had to wave and all and that sort of thing so it, it makes you feel like okay this is this is fairly serious uh, and you're up against other countries and there is a lot of, all of a sudden you spend a whole week and you're in and out of oh you're in and out of your tracksuit all week your Irish gear so you do feel that sort of, I came home and yeah. didn't feel like a jolly, jolly green giant for about, for about two days because you just wore your gear because you're training and running. Uh, so it, it, it give, and you're, you're being very it's careful because you're that, you are an ambassador because it's not easy. You do something untoward, it's dead easy to spot it. It was something in an Irish top or an Irish vet. So it's, it's good, but it's great to meet other countries as well. I think that's mm. the big thing. And we tend to have uh, a pretty good support mechanism with other countries we've been mixed quite quite regularly I was going to say what's the rivalry like when you go to on the places? track the rivalry is dynamite <laughs> they will kill each other but afterwards that's really one thing about masters different afterwards mm. most people well not most people nearly everybody i've met has been really nice extremely respectful very respectful very supportive especially if you've had a bad well there's everybody will, will line up take a photograph i would say there's been about three people in the past three years who I thought were disrespectful, so they were, uh, and and that's that's not. But that's not bad when you consider cultures and things like that. Yes, if certain certain things are, and we're different as well. Uh, they, some people would, their their idea of a cheering or t- is clapping, whereas yeah. ours is just shouting and screaming and, and bawling. Uh, and the thing about it is, is the rowdy Irish. And it's actually quite interesting because the last day of the championships, we had three relay teams in. And we made it because we started shouting and then the rest of the team started competing with us. So by the end of the day, it was like being in a football match. It really was. And I think the, the guy who ran it was saying to us, it was noted that we had started it because we, we cheered everybody in green. And then we started and then the Swedes started and then somebody else started. And then actually the police realised we have to start cheering too. So I think it has that effect. Um, and when you get that sort of camaraderie, it's, it's very good. You've had a lot of podiums in the Masters. Yes. It's safe to say. I don't have the power of 10 with me here. I think I left it in the car. Like, um, there's one year, was it 2014 or yeah. 2015? 2014, was it? Yeah. You hit first podium every single... So it was the Scottish... Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was the Scottish and the Irish and the indoors. Yeah, it was just one of those years where... It's a around cl- clean sweep. Clean sweep, and it was really good. Uh, did you do anything different that year or is that just the way it fell in or you you just it all came together I was injury free that was one of the first mm. years I was injury free and I came together and I just as you were saying just everything went well uh, I think I got the Irish record for the two which is gone since then for the indoors uh, but I just just worked the Scottish the Irish 
Scottish and Irish indoors, and then the Northern Irish and the Irish outdoors as well. It was just one of those one of those years. And you, was did you find your confidence, your self confidence, the momentum was just building, building? It was because just... everything was going well. Every race I went out that year, it was sort of adding to it. Even if the time wasn't, there was something added to it, like it was going there. But I kept the same time up. So by the end of that year, it was it was really good. Yeah. What was it like collecting an Irish record? It was actually quite funny because I didn't realise what you're supposed to do. Uh, and uh, a fellow with me who actually he'd moved up in age group, it was his record it took. He says, you have to do this and you have to do that. So when I put it in, your name's on it. It's just, it was great. The indoor one was really good. And then I got another one last year. So it was pleasing. What was that one last year? Was the hurdles? hurdles? Yeah. Because yeah. I had to make it respectable. We had a hurdles record that was okay, but it was not, wouldn't have been respectable. So... We tried, it was 75, and I decided, well, let's see what we can do. So I got down to 68, and then we got down to 66. So that was Good. that was the first time in 25 years I'd hurdled. I did a bit of hurdling at the end to extend your career. Uh, so it yeah. was interesting. I'm assuming that would be a lot more difficult in the Masters, because our bodies don't work we, we in drop, We way. drop a hurdle height, which okay. makes it a little bit different. But yes, it is. It is Because your flexibility that you need for that's that... <laughs> Yeah, I, I do my hurdles on a Sunday, and you should, you should, you should see me on a Monday. Uh, I'm like you, I straight into the hot bath on a Sunday after after the hurdles, because we do our drills, and on a Monday, it's I feel as if somebody has taken my hips and sort of whacked them. But uh, no, I did that for something new. I wanted something more, want something challenging. I wanted to try something new out, so that's why I went, whenever I went into the 55s, they dropped the height, and I said I would try it. So I did. Any nasty collisions with the hurdle? As a master, no, but I have, I've have had nasty collisions with hurdles. I have broke a hurdle with my knee, uh, I've fallen, nearly fallen on a hurdle. Uh, I'm not the world's greatest hurdler, especially at the first hurdle. Yeah. Um, but There has to be a lot, like, your timing has to be impeccable. Timing has to be impeccable and you have to get your strides right. The most important thing is, do not stop no matter what. So if you hit the hurdle wrong, or you hurt it, you hit the hurdle with you, mm-hmm. just keep going. And that's probably my strongest thing there is, no matter what I hit or what hits me, I tend to keep going. <laughs> Even if sometimes where you get the pattern completely wrong and you stop and jump over it, some people will stop at that. I, I keep going. And I would apply that straight to training as well. Never pull out in training. Because once you get into your head that you, you can pull out, you'll do it in a race. Malaga, um, 2018. Yeah. And um, before we go into that, you had some, you were diagnosed with Parkinson's? Yes. Was that in 2000? No, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, it'll be now just over five years now. And that, that's remarkable. I think that's amazing, you know, to then move into those championships in 2018. Yeah. It wasn't as easy as that. No, no, definitely not. So <laughs> we're going to strip that back a little bit. I think yeah. that's very important. And it's a, it's a big part of your journey, obviously. Yeah. So even... Right back to the beginning, even from a diagnosis point of view, like how did that come about? Well, before I was diagnosed, there was about a year and a half where we knew there was something wrong, but we couldn't put our finger on it. It came after the wonder year, and back the winter, uh, and uh, I was finding that I was training, we were training with a group of seniors, girls, and a couple of masters. So I was up with the boys, I had been up with the boys, but I noticed that I was up to the boys for three runs. We were in six runs. The fourth run, I was just ahead of the girls. Fifth run, I was behind them. And sixth run, I was miles behind. So I got all the blood tests and nothing there. But we knew there was something not right. The fitness was, fitness was good, but mm-hmm. everything was dropping off. Uh, so on my, f- my birthday, uh, my wife noticed a wee tremor in my hand. And she asked me about it. And I said, what age was that birthday? 50. 50th birthday. So she noticed a wee tremor in my hand. So... I says, well, it's just a wee tremor. And she says, no, go and see the doctor. And I went to the doctor and went. He says, it's a benign tremor, not to worry about. Mm. And she said, well, let's get a referral now. And I was going, ah, but she says, get a referral. So we got a referral. Uh, and then within six months, I was diagnosed that I had Parkinson's. I, first thing I said to the consultant was, I can still run. And he says, oh, keep, keep going. I don't think he realised but when I said, can I still run what I actually meant? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. Did he know what you were asking? <laughs> no, no I, I, think he, he, I don't think he did. Two mile jog around the block. Yeah, I think, I think something like that. I, I was a keen runner, but I don't think he realised that I was going to try and keep on. So 
the first the first year, uh, first maybe two years, I kept going okay, but I found that my performances were were dipping. Um, we couldn't work out well, so we tried to change the training. Uh, and for it took about two to three years to get to get it right. I had too much fatigue, or I wasn't recovering mm-hmm. quickly enough. My confidence had gone. I, I wasn't sure anymore about what I could do. Uh, so I decided to make a change, and I decided, well, I'm gonna have a go at this and see, just change, do something different. So I went and contacted a guy about strength and conditioning, and I remember his his <laughs> conversation with him. I rang him up and I said, "Would you be willing to take somebody on? He's fifty four." 53, 54. I've been doing weights, but I just really want to change change the way things are. And he says, yeah, yeah. So I sat through it, and then at the end of it, I said, I have a wee small thing to tell you. <laughs> and he goes, okay. He says, I also have Parkinson's. And I could hear him the other end of the phone, his hand over going, a wee small, well, he didn't say it as nicely as that, a wee small thing. Uh, and him and I hit off really well. Uh, so once I did that, I decided there, and then I, I got in contact with a couple of other things and read things up and what I tended to do was try and cut the runs down so if they were doing four runs I would do one two miss three do four and that was helping me but it wasn't giving me the strength I needed mm-hmm. so my confidence was up but I knew it wasn't great and the fours even now I were, were, we've changed it again this year my confidence before is I was running to a certain stage and then everything was just shutting down. But I've been a lot, I've been, people have been brilliant. There's been loads of people helping me. Uh, so uh, I eventually got in contact with a girl who's a f- neurological physiotherapist. Uh, and she's works at Shona Pride. She works in the city hospital. So she's given me a couple of wee things and it's all about cognitive stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff you don't even think about. Parkinson's is not a phys, it's physical. But the neurological side is where mm-hmm. we struggle a bit. So I described here what was happening and some of my fours, even now, I get to a certain stage and I go from running to shuffling. But there's, I couldn't, can't work out why it's happening. And she thinks it's because of the automatic running mechanism that we all have. My program's not kicking in when it should be kicking in. Whenever your body's so tired, you, you, haven't, you can't think about running, but you just have to keep going. Whereas you would keep your stride going, mine you're just shuts fo- down. You're always having to force it. Yeah, so therefore we're, we're trying new things, we're trying cognitive things of of singing songs in my head to keep the beats mm-hmm. per minute up, uh, or get keeping the songs going, or using visual cues so that it's not relying on the autopilot. So it's been it's been different like that. The hurdles are probably better for me than the thing because there's a, a visual thing. You never go in the autopilot in the hurdles, there's a visual target to go to. What, what actually is Parkinson's then? Parkinson's is a uh, neurological disease, which is the fact that you don't, either you produce, don't produce enough dopamine, or mm-hmm. dopamine I produce is destroyed by my body very quickly. Uh, no two people really have the same, same, same illness or condition. I have a shake. Uh, I also stuttered a little bit when I walk. Uh, but it would be more sort of a cut, more, there's more things behind the scenes of uh, you can become. You become addicted to things. Uh, uh, that's don't means the like running. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, you can. And the thing about it is, is, is that uh, we're trying to work out because the big push now is is to try and treat Parkinson's with exercise. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get through to people. Yes, everybody can ex- train at the same level as I train. I'm not saying that, but I think there is something to do with the fact that the endorphins we produce help me cope with the lack of dopamine, but also because of of the neurological side if I go if I think of disappointing myself or this it can go down yeah. it, can, it can drop quite quite considerably which did happen initially in Malaga uh, in Malaga I went to do the hurdles and being cocky and stupid I thought I should get into the final <laughs> but listen Malaga the 2018 yeah. so you were diagnosed was it 2015 yeah you know that was three years um, no, I have big no, sorry 2013 I was diagnosed so oh, 2013 sorry yeah. Um, so that was five years. Uh, it's a degenerating issue as yes, well, is it? Supposedly, I, 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 I don't take. I take the same medication, and it probably is because it's, I did a podcast. I did a what do you call it, a video log, and I was surprised. I shake, 
I didn't notice the shake until I actually started watching the video. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I went, God, I do shake. And I come my wife and says, of course you shake. But I hadn't noticed how much I shake. Except I don't shake when I run. So we'll start doing the video log of just showing people that this I mean, the Parkinson's going to go to the road to Malaga and all that sort of stuff. And it was on YouTube and it was about 17 or 18. But when I first started, it showed me warming up and everything was hunky-dory. And my wife said, you can't do that. You have to explain how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And how it can... I, I can turn up at a race tomorrow and just know there's nothing. You know yourself, there's nothing there. The, the fatigue's just too much to run. Uh, so I did the vlog and it was the most liberating thing I'd done for a long time. The amount of support I got, people people were bringing up going, when's your video log coming out again? So I did, I, I called it me and Parky, me and Teddy Bear, uh, and got a wee hat called Parky. So I brought him with me. So that people, this is this was the physical embodiment of Parkinson's. Uh, so, do you, do you find it helped getting out there then? Yeah, you well, know, I was always because you can be very isolated when you're going through something like this. Because only you're going through that. Yeah, I, I, it also meant that people understood if certain things went mm. wrong. If I hit it, went down, uh, and I, I remember somebody said to me that they didn't know anybody with Parkinson's, but after watching the video log, if they did. First thing they'd say was, "Don't panic," because if you go on the internet, that is about anything. You always see the extremes, and it's really bad. So, I was just, I was just trying to be a runner, who had Parkinson's, but it's, it's sort of, I had to realize that it, it's probably not, not. I was just, I just wanted to run. Yeah. I wanted to prove I could run. So we went to the the Malaga two thousand eighteen. We decided what I want to do. I said, "Well, I want to be competitive." And because it's the World Championships, I thought I could be competitive maybe in the four, and, but I, I had done the hurdles. So I said I would have a go at doing the hurdles. Uh, and was happy enough to do that. Did a little bit of work, found, one of the things that I do find is I used to be able to pick up drills very quickly. I can't pick them up. As, it takes me two or three times to pick things up. Now my coordination isn't, isn't the greatest and steps f- f- are harder to do. So it took me a little longer to, to pick things up, but I was still quite quite confident. And I'd run the vlog and I got a lot of support, so everything was going well. But when I went to Malaga, I sort of, it was, I was one of the early ones, so there wasn't a massive team there when I was competing, so it was a little bit isolated. Uh, and I bumped into a man, uh, an Englishman, he was saying about camaraderie, and this guy just started talking to me. Well, he had to talk to me because I wouldn't talk to him. He was number one in the world, so I wasn't going to walk up there and go, excuse me, I'm from... I was, so we, I was the only Irish one, so we were warming up, and he says, hello, how are you doing? And I says, hello, and we're introduced. And he happened to notice I wore a little band that says Parkinson's on it, no, support Parkinson's, and he says, who are you running for? And I went, I'm running for myself. He went, what do you mean? He says, I'm running for... I've got Parkinson's, and he said, do it. Of course, he was really interested, and he talked away, so John Tilt talked away, and... Did, and that were supposed to be heats, semis and finals and I wanted them because I needed being in the office I needed the races to, to queue but the way it worked it said no we're just going to have four semis instead of heats, semis and finals which suits all the top guys but it meant I was yeah. one so I was running around and going okay so it didn't make the final I think it came up 12th or something like that and I was devastated like a cocky I was just I was going and as we left, he says to me, that was a great run. And I was going, no, I didn't make a final. He's going, that was a super run, really inspirational. And I went, oh, if you say so, and I'm just, well, not dismissive, but it was like, yeah. it's okay. For, it's that co- competitive speak, responding. Yeah, I want the run, as, I want to be treated as normal, you know what I mean? Which I think after Malaga, I realised it's not going to happen. Uh, so I never thought anything off it. Got myself rang the coaches, the coaches were going, great run. And then I went, no, it's not that, it's, I was okay. And I woke up the next day and my wife texted me and goes, who's John Tilt? And I was going, I, I, used, I met last night, he's a really nice man, he's number one in the world. Go on to his Facebook page. <laughs> and he had put my vlog up on his right. Facebook page and talked about this inspirational thing and I sort of went. So him and I got very friendly and it was only after that I realised that He's in the degenerative side. He was saying, you, you've got Parkinson's. And I go, I don't want to want, want be the runner with Parkinson's. He says, but you, you are. 
and I think that's what I so I'm a bit more relaxed about it now than I, mm-hmm. I was. I have to accept that it is going to have an impact. But my goals this year are just the way if I hadn't got Parkinson's, I want to qualify for the final of the 400 hurdles in the European Championships and get as far on as I can in the 200. You're never going to lose that competitive strength. No. Whether you have Parkinson's or not, no. that's not going to go. So it's not going to. Yes, you've, uh, you can tell that you've sort of come to terms with what you're doing is, is, is actually good. You have Parkinson's yeah. and you've come, you've accepted that. Um, but I can tell that competitive streak has been oh, there no, right I, from whatever age. Yeah, and I, I will. When, when I line up, I remember somebody, I think it was, I think way back in my younger days when we were getting racing, I think it was Mark Kirk said, once you line up in that line, you have no injuries, mm-hmm. you have nothing, you have declared yourself fit to race. And that's what I feel like when I do that. Yes, I have to fight certain things now, but I want to win there. And, and compete just like everybody else so yeah it's that competitiveness and it's it's more to me I've set my own targets I have written down what I hope to do this year and and work through that way so it is so that's that's the big thing for me and do, do you find that um, running has really helped uh, without a doubt I, I running is the one thing that sort of keeps me focused like mm. it's, it, everybody has one of the we, we run a cafe for people who have uh, being diagnosed uh, early onset like that goes from 40 to 60 people that die so we meet once every three weeks in, in Costa Coffee just down the city city cent- no, the city west that one over there yeah. and that's the one thing we try and get through to people it doesn't have to be athletics find something you're passionate about and use that to fight uh, the Parkinson's because you know I mean, Parkinson's is, is, is a condition uh, but it shouldn't control you and that's the whole thing you're just trying to make sure that you sometimes you have to adapt but sometimes you have to adapt because you're 56 nothing to do with the fact you've Parkinson's so it's just a matter of of setting your goals and as an old as a coach says to me be humble and patient and wait for it to go uh the big thing is is i'm not disabled i have a condition i'm not disabled so just literally do as much as i can and i'm going to race in the age groups as long as i can I've set myself targets this year. I want to break the Irish record, break my own Irish record for the hurdles, and I want to get to the final of the hurdles. That's brilliant. Uh, and that's not to prove people wrong. That's just mm. that's what I want to do, and I think I can do it. I just need to get a little bit of help over certain wee obstacles at the minute. That's brilliant. The likes of Muhammad Ali and Billy Connolly, and Michael J. Fox, yeah, quite famously have Parkinson's. Is something that uh, Michael J. Fox had said, and um, was one's dignity may be assaulted, vandalised and cruelly mocked, but it can never be taken away unless it's surrendered. Yes. I remember, really in essence is just what you saw. I remember watching, a, I seen a fellow on the first down, he had a tattoo uh, on his arm and it said, I have, uh, I have Parkinson's, Parkinson's doesn't have me. So I was trying to, my wife came up with a really good wee slogan for me. I don't run the ad days to my life. I run the ad life to my days. I know that if I keep running, my quality of life will be far better outside the track. Nobody's going to care whether I win, lose or draw at the European Championships except me. But the knock-on effect that that'll have is that I will be having as independent and as mobile a life as I can up to any other normal age. So that's the reason I do it. Everybody thinks it's the big impact. That's my goal. That's what gets me through from one season to the next. But my bigger goal is to make sure that through this running, because it's the one sport that keeps me interested. I've tried other sports. Uh, by doing this, then I can keep the rest of my body going well and uh, see how it goes from there. That's brilliant, Patrick. One last question. Yeah. Where are you going to be on the 1st of June, 8 o'clock? 1st of June, 8 o'clock. I'm going to be sitting here. No, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be in the Balmoral Hotel because that's where we went to see the semi and the quarterfinal. And I'm going to be so nervous but we're going to actually win the Champions League. And that will be the highlight of the year if we win the Champions League. If we don't win the Champions League, 
it'll still be a hell of a achievement. Brilliant. I'm a Spurs supporter as well, oh, yeah. by the way. Oh, right. fantastic. <laughs> it was over um, last week, and it was just the new stadium was fantastic. Yeah, seeing that, that's class. Like, I'm actually going to be in Uganda, so I'm running the marathon that day. <gasps> Have you got your TV sorted out? So I've got the TV sorted out. I've got in touch with the organisers, and they're going to get a TV around to the athletes' footage. So it'll be after the marathon that, oh, that right. day. Oh, fantastic. So brilliant way. Patrick, thanks very much. Well, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Amazing. I felt extremely inspired, not only by the fact that Patrick was managing his Parkinson's through his running, but also with the drive and competitive edge that Patrick still holds at the Masters level. A superb podcast, hope you enjoy. Next time you question whether you should go out or not, just be thankful that you have the decision and lace up, go outside and enjoy. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.